Okay, and turn in your Bibles to uh, Acts chapter 7. And verse 54. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed on him with their teeth. But he, that Stephen, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. And said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. And that cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down. And cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity of just being able to um, learn more about you uh, from your word this morning, Father. And as we uh, continue to um, just look at this introductory um, uh, series on the book of Galatians, Father, we just, um, and particularly the context um, of the book this morning, we pray that um, that you'll speak to each of our hearts and that you'll um, continue to equip us for the work of the ministry, um, even this morning. We just pray that um, that you'll guide and direct and that your name will be honoured and glorified throughout the service. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, so last time we saw that the book of Galatians was a letter written by Paul to the ter- churches in southern Galatia around 49 um, AD. Um, The epistle to the Galatians stands as a defence of grace. The Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, argues that all um, the Christian life, including salvation, sanctification and glorification, um, is a work of grace by God the Father through his Son, Jesus Christ, by the indwelling Holy Spirit. We cannot add to or take away from this simple gospel. Um, It is a pure doctrine, one we cannot change or qualify without denying its essential truth. Only God could save us and only God can sustain us. By grace um, were we saved, by grace we live in Christ and by grace we will one day be glorified with him. We also saw um, that the epistle is broken up into roughly three sections. Um, The defence in chapters 1 and 2, the explanation in chapters 3 and 4, and the application in chapters 5 and 6. And we did start on um, this part, uh, the context of the book. Um, But we're just going to, you know, start again and and get a bit further this week. Um, So there's about 13 events that we're going to briefly look at, not this morning. Um, and um, that took place between 31 AD and 67 AD. So, you know, sort of just to put the book of Galatians in context a bit. 
Um, and a couple of them we'll look at in a little more detail because they give us a little bit of insight into um, the necessity for Paul to write the book of Galatians. Um, and so the context of the book. God chooses the right people at the right place at the right time. Um, in Luke chapter 4, Jesus explains that while there were many widows in the land of Israel during Elijah's day, God sent the prophet to just one of them, the right one for the right time. And while many people had leprosy during Elisha's day, God had Elisha heal just Naaman, the Syrian captain. And during the early years of the Christian church, there were many Pharisees, people of understanding and education, people who could teach and write and lead. But God chose one Pharisee, a man who hated Christ and his followers, to reflect truth and become a radical example of saving grace. We've discussed the possible dates for Galatians' writing, um, and you know we're going to assume the earlier date of 49 AD um, for this series. So with that in mind, let's have a look at the context. So in, roughly in about 31 AD, um, we have the martyrdom um, of Stephen, which we just um, read. Stephen was the first martyr of the Christian church. He served as a deacon to the believers in Jerusalem before being stoned to death by local religious leaders. The prayer he made for his executioners um, here in the end of Acts chapter 7 stands as one of the purest examples of grace in all church history. Lord, he said, do not hold this sin um, against them. God answered Stephen's prayer in the form of Saul, a Pharisee that stood nearby that day holding the coats of those who took up stones to kill an innocent man. Saul, ethnically Jewish but also a Roman citizen, was a scholar with great potential, a man that had studied under Gamaliel, who ranked as one of the greatest teachers in Jewish tradition. Saul excelled in academia, but he held political ambitions as well, knowing that his religious leaders sought the elimination of this new Christian sect, Saul made a name for himself by arresting followers of the way and delivering them to Jerusalem for imprisonment or even execution. But his motives weren't entirely political. He passionately believed that Christians represented a danger to the religious order and were therefore an offence to God. But why was Stephen stoned to death? So simply because he was preaching the gospel. So let's just back up a little bit to um, chapter 6. And read from verse 8. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people. So he's, he has just been appointed as one of the deacons along with six others. Then there arose, verse 9, um, certain of the synagogue, which is called the synagogue of the Libertines, and Cyrenians, and Alexandrians, and of them of Cilicia and of Asia, disputing with Stephen. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. Then they suborned men, which said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes and came upon him, and caught him and brought him to the council. 
and set up false witnesses which said this man ceaseth not to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and the law for we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place and shall change the customs which Moses delivered us and all that sat in the council looking steadfastly on him saw his face as it had been the face of an angel and then um, back to seven chapter seven verse one then said the high priest are these things so and he said Stephen said men brethren and fathers hearken the God of glory, uh, glory appeared unto our father Abraham and when he was in Mesopotamia um, before he dwelt in um, Karen so here Stephen gives them a history lesson about their forefathers and then down to verse um, 51 he concludes this history lesson for them with a point ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears ye do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did so do ye which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted and they have slain them which showed before of the coming of the just one of whom ye have now been the betrayers and murderers who have received the law by the disposition of angels and have not kept it and when they heard these things they were cut to the heart and they gnashed on him uh, with their teeth so here um, he makes a point and 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 calls them um, these religious leaders stiff-necked and uncircumcised um, but verse 56 is what um, really sets them off and Stephen said behold I see the heavens opened and the son of man standing on the right hand of God and here's their response they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him and the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was um, Saul so already we see that some Jewish leaders have issues with this gospel message um, namely that Christ was the one promised to die in our place for, um, for our sins um, and that's the problem that these guys had with um, Stephen's message and, um, and then you know as, as he beheld the son of man standing on the right hand of God they knew who he was talking about um, he's just been telling them um, who um, Jesus Christ is with the, with the history lesson that he's given and with what he was preaching beforehand so so that happened, you know, roughly around 31 AD. And then in um, the following year, 32 AD, we see Paul's conversion on the road to Damascus. Um, and this is recorded for us in Acts chapter 9. So we'll just turn it over to there. And verse 1, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth, 
and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what would thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. Um, Paul's con- um, when Saul finished stamping down open Christian activity in Jerusalem, he looked for new opportunities to persecute the sect. He knew that Christian Jews probably wouldn't flee to Samaria, and not many stayed in Phoenicia, but a great number of them went north to Antioch and elsewhere. And one of the big stops along the road north was the city of Damascus. So before long, the Sanhedrin gave Saul permission to find and arrest Christians there. So Saul began his three-day trip from Jerusalem to Damascus with no clue of what God's plan was. Um, But while on the road, he witnessed Christ appear in a literally blinding display of light. Um, Jesus told Saul to go on to Damascus and wait for someone to tell him what he should do next. So Saul, whose eyes were now blind, but um, who could finally see spiritually, waited in Damascus until God sent Ananias, a Christian, to heal his eyes and disciple him. Saul became a changed man and his name likewise um, was changed to Paul um, in Acts 13 verse 9. Paul includes his testimony of salvation um, in Galatians for an important reason. And we'll just turn over there. So Galatians chapter 1. And verse 16. Okay, to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen. Immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood, neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me. But I went into Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. Until this point in time, only the original 12 apostles could claim direct authority to teach in Christ's name. That's not to say that they were perfect or error-free. But God used them to record and teach his word. However, the apostles in Jerusalem largely ministered to the Jews. And the church there included many Gentiles. But believers had not yet spread out and actively shared the gospel with many non-Jews. And so after Paul's conversion in Acts, um, we see the ministry um, of Peter, especially to um, Cornelius as the Lord, uh, as we've already seen through Um, pastor's messages in in Acts Um, uh, Peter uh, started the um, ball rolling in in ministry to the Gentiles and taking the gospel message to the Gentiles Uh, and that was in Acts chapter 10 Um, God therefore separated Paul now for a special mission one with as much urgency and authority as the apostles commission that is to share the gospel of Christ with Gentiles and expand the church into the rest of the known world. You know, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Like you see, um, uh, Peter, he, he, just had, he was the one that started, God used him to start the ministry um, to the Gentiles. 
Um, uh, but his ministry was largely, um, you know, to to the to the Jews. Um, but it was it was Paul that actually mostly ministered um, to um, the Gentiles. So Paul therefore needed to establish his credibility and authority as an apostle. So the primary qualification being that the person must have been taught and set apart by Jesus Christ himself. Jesus made Paul an apostle by appearing directly to him, not in the flesh as he had to his other disciples, but in the spirit. Um, just briefly turn back to Acts chapter 26. Don't worry, Pastor Kendall, I'm only briefly touching on these passages in Acts. Um, Acts chapter 6 and verse 13. And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room, where abode Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas. Uh, just wait, I'll get the correct chapter. Didn't think that sounded right. Chapter 26, not chapter 1. There we go. At midday, O king, I saw in the, way, in the way a light from heaven. So this is Paul giving his um, testimony. Above the brightness of the sun, shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in the which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles, unto whom now I send thee, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision, but showed first unto them of Damascus, and at Jerusalem, and throughout all the coasts of Judea, and then to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God, and do works meet for um, repentance. Um, verse 16, which says, But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things um, which thou hast seen and of those things in the which I will appear unto thee. Um, many Christian Jews accepted Paul's apostleship with difficulty. Not only was this former persecutor now claiming to be a believer, but he also wanted them to worship with Gentiles, even Gentiles that didn't follow the traditions of the Old Testament. And, and this, you know, this was a sticking point for, um, for the Jews. Um, you know, the, the Gentiles, all they had to do was believe and accept Jesus Christ as their saviour. Um, that's, that's all they had to do to be saved. Um, and um, Paul nevertheless argued that those traditions were part of the old covenant, that those signs and symbols were no longer necessary to the Christian life. The purpose of all... Um, as, as we saw when we look, um, look through the 
um, uh, the book of Hebrews, um, all those things, they pointed to Christ. And Christ has now fulfilled um, all those um, traditions. And so um, the Jews don't need to observe them um, anymore. Um, and so this led many Jews, Christian and non-Christian, um, to get upset. Okay, the next um, big event is Paul goes to Damascus and Arabia in roughly thir- um, AD 32 to 35. Um, after Paul's conversion, he spent some time in Damascus. And uh, I think I've, there should be a map up there, so where Damascus is. Um, so we've got... some stage Um, so after Paul's conversion he spent some time in Damascus worshipping with other believers and teaching in the local synagogue explaining to Jews how Jesus fulfilled the old covenant as the Messiah, the Christ and we know that this message wasn't well received by everybody there were many who did not accept this message um, for various reasons Uh, such as tradition and and finances. Eventually, the Jews in the city became angry enough to try to kill Paul, Um, but his friends helped him escape by lowering him over the city wall in a basket during the night. Paul then travelled to what in that day was called Arabia, a land that stretched up beyond the eastern side of the Jordan River. Uh, In Galatians um, 1, 11-18, Paul claims that Christ taught him the gospel directly. Um, let's just, we've already read some of that, but let's just read that passage again. So Galatians 1, starting from verse 11. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me, is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. For ye have heard of my conversation in time past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it, and profited in the Jews' religion above many my equals in mine own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. But... When it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood, neither went I up to Jerusalem uh, to them which were apostles before me, but I went into Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. Then, after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him fifteen days." Um, so here Paul claims that Christ taught him the gospel directly not through the preaching or teaching of other people this teaching likely occurred while Paul spent three years in Arabia being that during this time Jesus somehow met with Paul and prepared him 
for his future ministry, for his future apostleship. Um, we might not understand exactly what happened while Paul was in Arabia, but we do know that the experience gave Paul the same authority as an apostle. God set him apart as a special channel of truth um, and grace. Next, we have um, his first trip to Jerusalem um, in Galatians, just staying in um, chapter 1 here, and verses 18 and 19. Then after three years I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him 15 days. But other of, this, of the apostles saw I none, save James the Lord's um, brother. So after three years in Arabia, Paul travelled to Jerusalem where he spent 15 days meeting with Peter and James, the brother of Jesus, who had become the head of the church in Jerusalem. Barnabas, who knew Paul from back in Damascus, convinced the apostle that Paul was a genuine believer and so they all met with their former persecutor, at least before he was, flee, uh, he was forced to flee Jerusalem. Um, and then... Um, in 35 to 46 AD, Paul travels um, through uh, Cilicia um, and Syria. So Paul travels through Cilicia to Syria and Antioch. God used the first few years um, of Paul's spiritual life to prepare him uh, for ministry in Antioch, um, a city north of Israel, where he spent 14 years as a church leader alongside Barnabas and four other leaders. But one day, while the believers were praying together, God told them to set apart Paul and Barnabas for a special journey. And so the two men travelled um, to Cilicia and Pamphylia, preaching and teaching Christ to whoever would listen. Paul and Barnabas were surprised to see many Gentiles accept Jesus as their saviour. Overjoyed, they returned to Antioch to report what happened, but there they encountered a problem. The Christian church in Antioch included a healthy mixture of Jews and Gentiles. Some of them, however, were Judaizers, people who claimed to be followers of Christ, but taught that salvation was possible only if a person trusted in Jesus and continued to follow Old, uh, old Covenant traditions. They believed that people earned their righteousness in part by doing good deeds, much like how, um, how some uh, um, religions do today. Um, that Christ's sacrifice merely gave us the chance to earn salvation for ourselves. However, the Old Testament tra um, traditions weren't even the commandments we find in the Old Testament um, scriptures. They included extra, non-inspired rules designed to support a religious establishment and keep people from even the slightest um, appearance of sin. Jesus spoke out against one of these rules in Matthew um, 15, 4-6. Here the religious leaders taught that if a person was obligated to take care of his parents financially but instead gave the money to the temple, he could tell his parents, sorry, tough luck. Um, it was a gift. Um, Jesus berated the people for valuing human tradition 
above kindness, grace, and duty. Um, and, you know, Jesus used no uncertain terms in berating them on, on that point. By adding requirements and qualifications to the gospel, people create something that is simply no longer the gospel. This gospel plus works is no gospel um, at all. And then um, in roughly 46 um, AD, Paul um, takes a second trip to Jerusalem with famine relief. Um, and that's recorded in... Acts chapter 11. And verse 25. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year that they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the, the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. And in these days came prophets from Jerusalem unto Antioch. And there stood up one of them named Agabus and signified by the Spirit that there should be a great dearth throughout all the world, which came to pass in the days of Claudius Caesar. Then the disciples, every man according to his ability, determined to send relief unto the brethren which dwelt in Judea, which also they did, and sent it by the, uh, to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. So Paul travelled back to Jerusalem, um, bearing a gift from the believers in Antioch. And the church in Jerusalem was suffering from a severe famine. And Paul um, took that collection down there to help them. And then over to um, chapter 12 and verse 25, we see them return from that trip. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry and took with them John, whose surname was Mark. So there they returned back to, um, back to Antioch. And so we see that um, already we're seeing that people um, you know there was opposition to the gospel message and that opposition took um, took many forms um, and the form of opposition that the book of Galatians is addressing is the attack on grace um, or particularly the attack on the gospel message um, you know the, the epistle to the Galatians is Paul's answer uh, or response um, to what the Jews were doing to the gospel message, and that is adding, um, you know, their Jewish traditions to um, to that message. You know that they have to be circumcised, for example. Um, and so it's important um, for us to um, be, you know, to understand what Paul's saying in Galatians, um, so that we can give an answer to people um, who would do the same thing. Um, the gospel message gets attacked today. Uh, just like it did in Paul's day. And, um, and so we need to give 
um, a defense for that. And we need to be sure um, that we're clear uh, with the gospel message as we seek to be a, um, a witness um, and testimony for him. And it's not only salvation um, that is by grace, but we need to live by grace. We need to live by faith as well. Um, and, and part of that is trusting God that he will conform us um, to his image. And so I just want to finish off with um, 2 Corinthians and chapter 3 and verse 18. So a verse that um, will be familiar to, to most of us. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. As we take time to spend time um, with the Lord in his word, um, he will change us uh, into um, that same image, into the image of God. Um, little by little, he will, he will conform us to um, the image of Christ. And that's by faith, um, not by any works on our part. Um, you know, we, we just simply need to take time to spend time with the Lord um, in his word. And he will change us um, into that same image. So this book of Galatians is very um, uh, applicable for us today. But we've got, we've got more of the context to look at yet. Um, uh, but that'll be, that'll be next time. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we do um, thank you. Um, for uh, the Apostle Paul um, and, and, for, and for your grace um, and mercy toward him, Father, in, in saving him and, and for how you used him to, um, uh, to write so many books of the New Testament and, um, and for the insight, Father, that, um, that you use him to give to us today um, about your um, wonderful grace, Father, uh, that you have um, shown to everybody and, um, and Father, we thank you for sending your Son uh, to die on the cross uh, for our sins. We thank you for the free gift of salvation that you offer um, to all. And we need only to accept Christ as our Saviour um, and we shall be saved, Father. And we thank you that uh, you have made um, salvation uh, so simple and easy for us, even though it cost you um, so dearly. And we pray, Father, that you help us um, to be... Uh, faithful ministers of this gospel message and to be always ready and willing to give an answer for this hope um, which you have given to us with meekness and with fear. For it's in Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. Thank you.